Hi everyone, and welcome to my sauntering podcast. My name is Paul White, and I live in a gorgeous place called Weymouth. And this podcast is a collection of saunters that were born in lockdown, but it's also got some additional stuff which is just fresh, hot off the press. praying that you'll be really blessed and that God will speak into your heart as we take this journey together. So please go ahead and hit the subscribe button to keep updated with the very latest sauntering podcasts. Good morning saunterers, welcome to another grey nippy day in Weymouth. But we're sauntering in the sunny book of Genesis. And so here we go. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for another day. We thank you for your presence with us. Lord, we ask you that your favour would rest on us like it rested on Joseph. In Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, Kathy and Deepak. So we're on chapter 43 today. And we have yet another twist and turn in this incredible story of Joseph and his brothers. And you remember that Joseph had said, I want to see evidence that you are not spies. I want to see your little brother. Um, I want to see him before me. And if you don't bring him, you won't see me. You won't get anything from me. So you better show up and he'd kept Simeon um the second oldest of the 12 of the 12 brothers he kept him as a hostage (laughs) so he was still in Egypt in prison somewhere with Joseph I wonder what kind of time Simeon had while he was there um good morning Fliss and Adrian great to see you so he says Verse four, uh, verse one, chapter 43, it says, Now the famine was severe in the land, and when they had eaten the grain that they had bought, brought from Egypt, their father said to them, Go again, buy us a little food. But Judah said to him, The man, that's Joseph, solemnly warned us, saying, You shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. If you will send our brother with us, we will go down and buy you food. But if you will not send him, we will not go down. For the man said to us, you will not see my face unless your brother is with you. And so Judah is now taking the lead. Judah is the third in line and he's now taking the lead. Good morning, Rosemary. And he's saying, Dad, this is just how it is. <laughs> There's no point us going down there unless Benjamin comes with us because the man in charge told us, unless you bring your youngest brother, I'll assume you're spies, you won't see my face again, so don't even think of showing up without him, because it's not going to get you anything. And so, Dad, there's no point having this conversation unless we can take Benjamin with us. There's no point us going. But it seems as if the famine was biting deeper and harder than anyone had expected, and I suppose initially um, Jacob had thought one trip to Egypt should cover it but this famine is going on and they've run out of food and so the need is getting more intense 
And so Israel said, that's Jacob, why did, why did you treat me so badly as to tell the man that you had another brother? He's saying, why did you even drop us into this mess in the first place by even mentioning that you have another brother? It's still your fault. I'm still cross with you. And, and uh, they, they replied, the man questioned us carefully about ourselves and our kindred saying, is your father still alive? Do you have another brother? What we told him was in answer to these questions. Could we in any way know that he would say, bring your brother down? And Judah said to Israel, his father, send the boy with me and we will arise and go that we may live and not die. Both we and you and also our little ones. I will be a pledge of his safety from my hand. You shall require him if I do not bring him back to you and set him before you then let me bear the blame forever if we had not delayed we would now have returned twice so he's saying dad for goodness sake we could have been there and back again twice in the amount of time we're having this long discussion and don't you hate those kind of family discussions where nothing's resolved where you go round and round in circles and oh my goodness and and in the end you think oh we could have done it twice in the amount of time it's taken to talk about it and this is Judah's impatience he's saying we're gonna die if this is what's gonna happen if we don't go we will die you me our little ones your grandchildren they're all gonna die because we've got to eat something but he says how did I know that this guy was going to start asking us questions in such detail about my family. And we had to answer the questions. He was saying, is your father still alive? Do you have another younger brother? And of course, they still don't realise that it's Joseph. And Joseph has this incredible, specific, intimate knowledge of the family that he can apply this pressure in the most specific painful way that nobody else would have thought of because Joseph has inside information because he's a family member and of course Joseph wants to know that his dad's still alive he wants to know that his younger brother's alive so there's a legitimate interest here but also it means that these guys the who Jacob and co they have no knowledge of where this motivation is coming from from this guy in Egypt, why he wants to know so much intimate detail about their family. They're completely puzzled and mystified. And they assume that it's um, that Joe, this, this guy wants to know for bad reasons rather than good reasons. They have no reason to assume that this official in Egypt actually means them well. It seems quite possible that he's hostile and is trying to do something bad to them by his his kind of forensic interest in their lives as a family. And so Judah's now um, sort of stepped up over Reuben and Simeon is in prison in Egypt. So now Judah seems to be taking the lead and becoming the spokesperson for the family um, to their father. And he's just saying, Dad, look, come on on let's enough already with this discussion let's just go get on with it and seriously if I don't bring the boy back then I will bear the shame and the guilt of that forever and 
you know, that's fair enough. Then verse 11, it says, then their father Israel said to them, if it must be so, then do this. Take some of the choice fruits of the land in your bag. So they obviously still had some fruit. They they those they dried a lot of fruit. And he's saying, take some of the produce of the land, some of the good stuff that we're known for in this region. Take it with you. Local produce. If it must be so, then take some of the choice fruits of the land in your bags and carry a present down to the man. A little balm, a little honey, gum, myrrh, pistachio nuts and almonds. Take double the money with you, carry back with you the money that was returned in in the mouth of your sacks. Perhaps it was an oversight. And take also your brother and arise, go again to the man. May God Almighty grant you mercy before the man and may he send back your other brother and Benjamin. And as for me, if I am bereaved, of my children, I am bereaved. So he's saying, okay, we're going to do this. Let's give ourselves the best chance of success with this guy, this strange, mysterious figure down there in Egypt. Let's let's put our best foot forward. We'll take him some of the unique local produce that we still have in the land. And we'll, we'll this is obviously going to be costly to them because these are valuable items and also there's a massive shortage of everything because of the famine but he's saying take double the money take back the money say there must have been some mistake i'm really sorry go overboard with honesty and go out of your way to commend yourself to this guy and i oh yeah i reluctantly consent to your youngest brother going with you but bring back your other brother and this and Benjamin as well. And then he sort of resigns himself. He's saying, I'm going to pray. And he says, God, may God Almighty grant you mercy before the man. And may he send back your brother and Benjamin. And that's such an interesting prayer. May, may God Almighty grant you mercy before the man. And that's a very similar prayer that Nehemiah prays before he goes into the king to ask for permission to go back to rebuild Jerusalem many, many, many years later, obviously, than this story. But it's a very simple prayer. It's God, let it work out okay with this guy who has absolute power over me. It's like when you're going in to see your boss or the head teacher or the principal or whatever, or some really, really difficult client and things you you don't know how which way this meeting's going to go and it's just a simple prayer may god almighty give me favor in this context may god almighty grant you mercy before the man and may he send back your other brother and benjamin and then he comes to this place in his own heart jacob where he says but as for me if I am bereaved of my children, I am bereaved. He has to get there in his own heart where he can say, yeah, it is possible that it will go badly. And if it does, then I guess I have to suck it up and deal with it and cope with the misery and loss that that will mean. And there is some there are some times where we have to get to that point where we just say, well, if I die... Or if it doesn't work, I guess, so be it. 
and settle it. But inaction was still going to lead to the same end. They were going to die slowly of starvation if Jacob didn't take action. But it seemed, but his biggest fear was to follow through and send Benjamin down. So the men took this present and they took double the money with them and Benjamin. And they arose and went down to Egypt and stood before Joseph. Verse 16, look at this beauty. When Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said to the steward of his house, bring the men into the house and slaughter an animal and make ready for the men are to dine with me at noon. Wow. So Joseph sees Benjamin. He's very moved. And so he's like, let's do, he wants to celebrate because he's meeting his brothers finally and his own actual 100 percent brother. The other brothers are half brothers, aren't they? But this one, Benjamin, is his whole brother. <laughs> seems a funny expression, but he's a, a you know, is a is a complete brother. Same mother, same father. And it must have been such an emotional moment for Joseph. And he wants to celebrate. So he says to his household manager, right, go and get an animal slaughtered. Get it ready. Get it cooking. Because at noon, I'm going to eat with these guys. Of course, nobody else in Egypt knows that these are Joseph's kinsmen. They're his brothers. And and, and so there must have been this kind of big little bit of chatter going around Joseph's household. I wonder why. Why is he treating these guys like royalty? Why does he want to? He's invited them to his house. He wants to eat. He sent me off to kill this special animal, you know, so I can cook lovely roast lamb or, or beef or whatever it was. And so the man did, as Joseph told him, and brought the men to Joseph's house. And the men were afraid because they were brought to Joseph's house. And they said, it's because of the money which was replaced in our sack the first time that we are brought in so that he may assault us and fall upon us to make us servants and seize our donkeys. So they're still absolutely terrified of what's going to happen. They, they have no, no, con they've got no idea whatsoever of why Joseph would want to show this special treatment to them other than that it's a bad thing and that this is a consequence of living a godless kind of rebellious life where, where we take the law into our own. There is there is that kind of fear that maybe it's all going to catch up with me one day if we don't walk with a clear conscience. And Joseph's brothers had betrayed him. They had his presumed death hanging over their heads they lived with a sense of guilt every single day. And in their hearts, there was this sense of expectation. It's probably going to catch up with us. And this is going to be our moment where everything goes completely south. And he steals our donkeys, makes us his slaves. And that's why it's, that's what it's all about. It's just some elaborate game this Egyptian guy is playing with us. So they went up to the steward of Joseph's house, this is the brothers, and spoke with him at the door of the house and said, Oh, my Lord, we came down the first time to buy food. And when we came to the lodging place, we, so this is on the way home, we opened our sacks and there was each man's money in the mouth of his sack, our money in full weight. So we brought it again with us and we brought other money down with us to buy food. We do not know how or who, sorry, we do not know who, 
put the money in our sacks. And he replied, peace to you. Do not be afraid. Your God, the God of your father. This is the steward of Joseph's house. And he's prophesying to these guys. He's saying, peace be to you. Do not be afraid. Your God and the God of your father has put treasure in your sack, sacks for you. I received your money. So he said, no, I got your money. This is absolutely fine. Have peace. Stop fussing. Relax. This is just God being kind to you. Don't you don't you even know the God of your fathers, the God of your father, that this is the way he operates. In fact, this is him showing you his kindness. And I got your money. So relax. Then he brought Simeon out to them. And when the man, so Simeon's still alive and well, thank God. And when the man had brought the men into Joseph's house and given them water and they had washed their feet. And when he had given their donkeys fodder, they prepared the present for Joseph's coming at noon. For they heard that he, they should eat bread there. So they, they've gone into Joseph's house. They've been treated well. They've had Simeon return to them. They've washed their feet. They, the Members of the household have looked after the donkeys and taken care of the animals, fed them. So these guys are in there feeling slightly more human after their long journey. They're washed and clean and made themselves presentable. And now they're getting ready all the little niceties and the lovely things that they've got ready for Joseph as a gift. And they're about to present them to him at, at noon. And so they're kind you can imagine they're sort of just making sure absolutely everything they brought. And I bet they're thinking, oh, I wish we could have brought more. Oh, yeah, here's the honey. Here's the gum and all the rest of it. Here's the lovely stuff we've got. And they're putting it all together to make it nice for Joseph. And verse 26, when Joseph came home, they brought into the house to him the present that they had with them and bowed down to him to the ground. Once again, Joseph's dream being fulfilled literally in front of his very eyes, his brothers bowing down low to the ground. And he inquired about their welfare and said, is your father well? The old man of whom you spoke, is he still alive? This is so emotional, isn't it? So beautiful. He hasn't seen his dad in however many years. And he's saying, is he still alive? How is he? How's he doing? And I'm sure they're thinking, what is with this Egyptian guy about our dad? Why is he so interested? And they said, your servant, our father, is well. He is and he is still alive. And they bowed their heads and prostrated themselves. And he lifted up his eyes. And so his brother Benjamin, his mother's son, and said, is this your youngest brother of whom you spoke to me? God be gracious to you, my son. He must have been tiny when Joseph left and now he's a young man. They call him a lad in the story, in the narrative, but that word there can mean young man as well as boy. It's just beautiful and so moving. And Joseph just clearly moved by this whole experience it says Joseph, and then he sort of blesses him. He says, God be gracious to you, my son. Then Joseph hurried out for his compassion grew warm for his brother and he sought a place to weep. And he entered his chamber 
and wept there. Then he washed his face and controlling himself, he said, serve the food. Wow. This is so loaded. This is so loaded with significance. And there is that sense of Jesus revealing himself to his brothers. He came to um, his own, the the Apostle John says in John's Gospel, Jesus came to his own, his own did not receive him, but as met to as many as those who received him to them, he gave the power to become the children of God. But when Jesus was in Israel among his own people, they didn't recognize him. And some did, and they became children of God, fantastic, but many didn't. But there is this sense that somewhere in history, still waiting, there is a time yet to come where Jesus is revealed to his ethnic brothers and there's this wonderful reunion of Jesus where the Jewish nation turn to him and recognize him as the Messiah. And they'll look on the one they pierced and they'll mourn and it will be this time of incredible reconciliation. So this is a, a foreshadowing, a prophetic picture of that day. Good morning, Pete Rook. Good to see you, bro. And so we should be praying for that to happen. We, we that, that day when the Jewish nation finally, or the Jewish people, should we say, wherever they are around the world, suddenly have their eyes opened and they realise, wow, this is... Anyway, so, but this anticipation is growing in Joseph. He knows he's going to do the big reveal at some point shortly, but um, he's still holding back and he's wanting to let his family therapy work its work in his brother's lives. Now, his brothers, I think, have been significantly changed by the whole process um, that, that um, the whole journey, if you like, that Joseph's taken them on. He's taken them on a, a therapeutic, emotional journey where they're confronted with their sin, with their treachery. And now they are experiencing what it's like to be held in this tension where they can't do anything without Joseph's without Joseph's generosity and without Joseph's help, but they still don't realise that it's Joseph who's holding all the cards. And But it's such an incredible story. And uh, so Joseph is so moved, he goes out into the little room, washes his face, weeps, and washes. comes back in, washes his face, controls himself, says, right, serve the food. And they served him by himself and then by themselves, and the Egyptians who ate with him by themselves, because the Egyptians could not eat with the Hebrews, for that is an abomination to the Egyptians. It seems that Egyptians were incredibly racist and had no, no willingness to sit down and eat with someone from a different ethnicity to them. And they were this kind of super race in their own minds. Uh, here we have God's fledgling chosen people the nation of Israel literally in fledgling form sat there in the house of the Egyptian or so they think and this is such a picture of what God is going to how God is going to cultivate and grow the nation of Israel even in the house of Egypt in those 400 years that follow this story 
So this is an incredible little, we said that Genesis is the book of beginnings. This is the book of the beginning of the nation of Israel. This is, this is such an important part of the story. And don't forget, if it wasn't for Joseph, they would have died of starvation anyway. So we would never talk about Israel because there wouldn't be one. They'd have all died of starvation. Right, here we go. Here we go. So keep it together, Paul. They served him by, say so anyway, they ate by themselves. And Joseph over there, and I'm sure he was casting glances across at his brothers, and they'd be casting glances across at him, and maybe occasionally he lifted up his wine glass and <laughs> kind of gave him a nod, and they joined in the celebration, it seems. And they sat before him, the firstborn, according to his birthright, and the youngest, according to his youth. So he had them all arranged in order of birth, in um, <laughs> around this table and apparently the probability of doing that by accident is just <laughs> ridiculous it's one to several million um, and they sat before him the firstborn according to his birthright and the youngest according to his youth and the men looked at one another in amazement of course they did they had no idea how Joseph could have worked that out portions were taken to them from Joseph's table, but Benjamin's portion was five times as much as any of theirs, and they drank and were merry with him. They're having to learn how to cope with favour being unequally kind of given within this family. That was the very thing that they rebelled against in the first place was this sense that Joseph was the golden boy and he got the favoured treatment. They were upset and up in arms about that and rebelled against it. But now they're having to sit and enjoy the fact that Benjamin is not only alive with them, but he's being celebrated in a special way and he's been given five portions of food. Goodness me. And there, but somehow in that context, they've managed to settle down and celebrate and relax. And the the word there, they drank and were merry with him. They actually enjoyed the wine and became a little bit merry in the house of Joseph, still with this massive air of mystery hanging over them. Why are we here? What is all this about? However, let's enjoy it. If we're going to die, let's die happy. <laughs> I think it's probably where they got to. Anyway, the Lord bless you and keep you today. Make his face shine upon you. Give you his peace in Jesus' glorious name. Amen. I am super excited to be able to recommend to you my book, The Christing. It's a whole adventure of digging deep into the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, exploring stories that may be familiar to us, but just seeing how the power and the beautiful, rich treasure of the Holy Spirit is there on every single page. And my desire as I share my own stories is that we would get caught up in that adventure together of a life pursuing the supernatural God where anything becomes possible when we're full of his Holy Spirit. And so my prayer for you as you read this book is that you'll get excited to embark on your own voyage of discovery with him, but more than anything else that you would fall more in love with Jesus.
so please if you have not got a copy do buy one you can get it online on all the major um, online bookstores including amazon eden and others you can buy it from christian bookshops and, or you can message me and get your own signed copy there you go but do like it and review it because that really really does help thank you so much